in the game of basketball, stars are made. But how do they get to that point? How has the game changed them? And what are they doing today? Welcome to Rebound Radio with your host, Matt Fish of Rebound Magazine. Each week, Matt goes one-on-one with some of the legends of basketball, finds out their inside story, and uncovers stories you've got to hear to believe. Now, here's Matt Fish. Welcome. Rebound Radio. We are in Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. Welcome to Rebound Radio. Matt, how have you been in the last week? It's been pretty good. It's been fun to watch some of this basketball come around, hasn't it? It's been exciting. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey through the boring first round mm. to the ever exciting second round. A couple of surprises with Oklahoma City beating San Antonio yep. and uh, Cleveland not losing a game is, is a surprise to some. Uh, well, I tell you, we talked about it last week and about how is that the last time we're going to see Duncan play? <sighs> it was. The last time we're going to get to see him play like that, Duncan's done, right? I don't think so. Huh? I think he's got another year. Oh, goodness. I think he's got another year. Okay. And, and we'll, we'll, we have all summer for all the speculations, especially right. if Oklahoma City does not beat Golden State. Uh, there will be rumblings about Kevin Durant going elsewhere, and you better believe that Tim Duncan would take the bare minimum amount of money to play if they can woo Kevin Durant into the silver and white and black or whatever you call it in San Antonio. Uh, but with that, we have that summer to talk about that. Yep. Uh, the Golden State Warriors beat the Thunder handily 118-91 last night on their home court. Steph Curry reemerged. Uh, he had uh, 17 points and it seemed like 15 seconds in yeah. the third quarter. Uh, it, it was an interesting transformation from game one when it seemed like Golden State was playing on their on their heels and Oklahoma City's were the were the enforcers and it kind of flipped on its side. Uh, Kevin Durant had a huge first half. I think took two or three shots in the third quarter and then by that point it was too much. So we will talk about that. Mm-hmm. We will talk about the draft lottery and, and the boredom that ensued after the time uh, came for the lottery balls to be in place and everything. To Kemi Matumbo tweeting an hour before the draft lottery <laughs> saying congratulations Phoenix. Uh, Philadelphia for the number one overall pick. Uh, David Stern is rolling over right now because uh, the first ever draft lottery, there were always rumblings about it being fixed with the Knicks getting Patrick Ewing, David Stern being a New York guy. We'll get into all that, but first, we do need to um, give and pay our respects to Morley Safer, uh, CBS News legend who died at 84. Uh, He was one of the first pundits on... Uh, 60 Minutes. Mm-hmm. He was known for his for his work uh, around the Vietnam War. Uh, we we get lost in the fray here with talking about sports or whatever radio uh, personality is talking about whatever uh, avenue that they've chosen to go. It's so difficult to make it in this business to begin with, but to leave such a lasting impression that Morley did. Um, this is you know a little piece of all of our radio hearts are, are lost today and. And we just wanted to take time and, and show our appreciation. Yeah, I certainly am, am you know, learned about it and, and just recently. Uh, so to me, it kind of took me by surprise, all that he did for uh, radio, for, you know, just being out there, making a big difference early on when, you know, the conservative 60s were where they were. And, and, and he stepped up and showed some things with help of CBS, that stuff that maybe the government didn't want out there, but it was put out there anyway, and uh, they were trying to get his head, and CBS had his back. You know, so he's somebody who's really a trailblazer, and uh, our hearts go out to him, and, uh, you know, Morley Safer is one of the best ever. Yeah, um, positive thoughts to him and his family and the whole CBS 60 Minutes family as well. 
Uh, there's no easy way to segue, but let's talk about the, of the two lesser important, but of the utmost importance to this show, basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, NBRPA, let's start with that. The National Basketball Retired Players Association, okay. Matt Fish, is the Phoenix chapter president for the organization. He runs Rebound Magazine as well, which has a nice tie to the NBRPA. Do you have any upcoming events you want to talk about right off the bat, Matt? You know, right now we're working on a variety of different things, but we just continue to make that difference in, in you know, the community, and we step out there doing breakfast in classroom, and, and, and here comes some more grant opportunities to go out there and feed uh, Desert Sands Middle School, so we feed them for the year. That's great. And that's what we're uh, looking to go in and do again this year. And then we have the school readiness kits. We've got a grant. We're working with Valley of the Sun United Way right now to put uh, together these school readiness kits for making sure that parents and kids are ready to start school because if they're ready and they know what to expect during school, they're successful during their school career. We, we appreciate doing that program as well. Uh, we have a camp coming up in June 16th, and it's going to be a good camp that is going to have a tie-in with life skills as well as the fundamentals of sports. So we're going to have these basketball fundamentals we're going to teach, and that's from 9 to 2 o'clock, June 16th. That's fantastic. Tell me about the dribble the Dribble Factory. The Dribble for Cancer went really well. It was last Saturday. They had over a thousand people That's show great. up. They didn't break the record, but it certainly gives us something to aspire for next year. But I know this much: we raised a lot of good money to fight cancer. That's great. Thanks. So I mean, Thanks. this is slowly but surely. Every week, you have things that are coming up that that uh, provide awareness and uh, and reach the masses with regards to the NBRPA and all of the great charities that they. Well, I'm going to bring up with. one thing. Please. I'm going to bring up. Kaplan University for the MBRPA opened a full college scholarship application process for 2016. So that is full tuition scholarships for members of the MBRPA to complete their undergraduate and graduate degrees. They have five college scholarships that are available to them. It's an online education, adult learner, and it offers over 180 programs. And last year, Adonal Foyer, Joe Smith, James Donaldson, Kevin Loader, and Eldridge Rickasner were chosen to do their degrees, and they completed their degrees, or they're working on their degrees. And I tell you what, there's five guys now that can say, hey, I went back and finished my degree. It's a beautiful thing. And this is the things that are are endless that the NBRPA can do for retired players, and and not only the charities, just – to better their lives, their quality of life after the game is done. So that that's great. Uh, let's move into current news. Golden State whoops up on Oklahoma City last night, uh, instilling the dominance once again that Golden State has grown accustomed to over this 2015-2016 season. One thing that I took from this was that Oklahoma City needs to change something. And I know that seems very blanketed. Hmm. It seems very, you know, general. But if you're going to play big like Billy Donovan has tried to do at the, up to this point, and that's how they beat San Antonio by having Serge Ibaka and Steven Adams or Steven Adams and Enos Kanter down low to complement the three guards of Dion Waiters and uh, KD and, uh, and Russell Westbrook, they need to either stick with it or find something different. Because just because you go down double digits in the first half doesn't mean you need to vacate your game plan. And right when you go small you're never going to beat Golden State. You know, and that's that's something that they need to figure out. They need to figure out a hybrid version of those two offensive sets and execute. Because number 1, Steph Curry got so many open shots last yeah. night and open for him is probably, you know, half a second less than what we consider <laughs> open for other people. And half a second is a, a long time in the NBA. Cuz you only need 0.3 shots to to legally get a shot off. Right. And um 
they need to do something because Steph Curry hit a lot of open shots, which yielded Clay Thompson to have open looks, yep. which yielded the inside um, the inside uh, paint area to be wide open. So they need to figure out something else in Game Three, or they're in trouble. Well, my biggest problem with last night and Steph Curry's play was, what are you doing diving out of bounds? <laughs> well, what do you th- leave that up to me? Somebody that's expendable, you know what I mean? Let <laughs> let me dive out of bounds for a loose ball. But when you're doing what you're doing on the court and you've got a bad knee and you turned your ankle and you're coming off of injuries and you and you score 15 points in two seconds and then you go dive for some crazy loose ball that doesn't matter even if you did save it and then he's down and the whole system sitting around going oh my goodness is this going to be it are we not going to we're not going to win ourselves a championship I'm thinking all right let some yay who come off the bench like and let them run out of bounds, you know what I mean? Diaper loose ball. We don't want our two-time MVP laying out of bounds after behind the front row trying to figure out, is he going to stand up with a limp? Is he going to get back on the court? So that was one thing, and I was kind of like, man, come on. You, you're smarter now. You're two-time MVP. Don't be doing these Superman dives out of bounds. Yeah, and then the other side is, man, he's soft. LeBron <laughs> would have jumped out of bounds. LeBron <laughs> wouldn't have cared. And you're right. So for those of you that didn't see, an 888-346-9144, call into the show. Follow Matt Fish at Rebound Talk on Twitter. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. Check out voiceamerica.tv, the sister site of voiceamerica.com, the, the radio side. There's a lot of great video content. Matt has been posting mm-hmm. stuff weekly, if not every other day, um, with videos from former uh, athletes, former um former executives from the NBA. We have a lot of great content on there, so please check it out. When I saw it happen, and then for those of you that didn't see, there was a loose ball right near the scorer's table that was pretty much all the way out of bounds yeah. at that point, and Steph Curry jumped up. It looks like he jumped up on the shoulders of the front row patrons <laughs> and then went down. Like so it, it, was, it was a black hole. It was head it was over black, heels. Yeah, we had no idea. Now, the way he fell is probably the safest way with his injuries because his legs were up in the air. Right. Now, having said <laughs> that, he's not the biggest dude. He's, he's probably gained 15 pounds of muscle since he joined the NBA, I think, six years ago. Yeah. Having said that, you, you stick and stay. Mm. Oh, too bad. Oh, no, it went off them. Yeah. No, it went off them. Yeah. There are many ways to <laughs> look tough without jumping through, doing a somersault through the air. Now, what uh, the second thing that I thought was LeBron would have done that. You know, LeBron, I, I would have done that too. But again, I'm not LeBron James, or I'm not you know. I'm LeBron is two of Steph Curry. <laughs> well, this is true. Uh, he, I'm telling you, the front row would have been more worried if LeBron would have yep. jumped over them head over heels because he would have taken them out with them. Then you worry about the patrons standing up with a limp or not. But again, you know, how important are these two guys for their teams? And, and do they dive out of bounds? I think LeBron would have, and sure enough, Steph did. But I'm like, yeah, either one of you. You know, and I think you're right when you say, hey, out on you might be a better route. Because they didn't. He wasn't going to save that. He wasn't going to save that. I mean, he didn't even get close to saving it. But he did get close to an injury. And we can't see that happen if they really want another, you know, crown themselves kings again. So Yeah, because they're going to have a tough enough road as it is mm-hmm. with him being fully healthy. Right. So they win by over 20 points last night. Now, how can they, if you were Steve Kerr, Mr. Matt Fish, how – can they improve in game three? They have three days off, so they don't play till Sunday, mm. which I think will help uh, Oklahoma City more than Golden State because Golden State wants to play every day. You yeah. know, they are so rested, they don't need to change their game plan. But if what's a wrinkle if you were Steve Kerr that you would implement in game three on the road and 
probably the biggest game of the series uh, so far. Well, they do such a good job of passing and cutting. I know that they want to keep that up. They want to share the ball. They want to make sure it gets from one side of the court to the other. Now, how it gets there depends on going around the top or going through the middle. And either way, spin, dribble, kick it to the opposite side happens in every single game, and that's going to continue to happen. So you're asking me, what more can they do to counteract what the other team might bring to them? Yes. I don't know what it is. Christ, you take a team out by 20, 30 points like they did. They were never in the game. They really weren't. They just, I think you stick with what it is, and I agree with you, three days off isn't necessarily good for Golden State as they were have been flowing, and you can see they're in that flow, and when they hit that flow, even during a game, even during a quarter, it's amazing to see how many points they can put together in a short amount of time. You know, you, you just don't change it. I just think you continue to do what you're doing and, and make sure that when you are small, I think you concentrate more on rebounds. And that's something that they do kind of like fade away from. Okay, we're small. We're not supposed to rebound. But tell you what, they don't think you're going to rebound. So why don't you go in there and at least attempt? And some of them don't. They just like, okay, the shot goes up, and they're running down the end of the court. So I would say send somebody to the board. Maybe if you dictate somebody on that court, when you have the small crew in there, say, okay, the guy that's closest to the elbow crashes the board, or however it is. You, you, you just figure out which one's going to go, and everyone else can run back. you got to have at least one going to the to the uh, rebound, though. And if they don't, then they don't even have to worry about rebounding or boxing out. And that's something that wears other teams down. I know running around after a three-point shooter and running through picks and so forth is difficult as well. But also, you got to bang in the post. And I'm a banger, and I understand taking up space. That has to happen. And they have to continue to fight and not just give up or even attempt for a rebound. Yeah, and that's, it's, that's all well in theory. But if you have the tallest guy in the court is 6'8", it's mm-hmm. tough when you have two big guys down low. Now, having said that, they out re- they out rebounded Oklahoma City last night, offensively and defensively. I think a lot of that had to do with later on in the game when everything was out of reach. Yeah. But going back to your initial point, Oklahoma City was the best team on the court in week in game one. So yeah. the fact that they turned it around, yes, I mean they're the toughest team to play at home in the NBA, and game one they didn't look like themselves. You know, and Oklahoma City played a very very emotionally stressful and physically stressful series with San Antonio. Uh, and Golden State has, uh, you know, just danced their way through the first two rounds by injury or, or otherwise. And that first game showed a lot to me that they might not be as mentally tough as everybody thinks they are. Well, Oklahoma City's very mentally tough, I think. Yeah. Well, My question is, have they been tested? Have the Golden State Warriors been tested enough? So that was the game that was like, oh, no, now we're actually playing a real team, <laughs> so we weren't actually prepared? Uh, I don't think that was the game, but I think it was an inkling. It was kind of a look inside. Possibly, if you don't step up, you know, that you guys are going to find that you're going to find yourself in trouble by not being able to handle that. Yeah, and another thing that kind of caught me off guard last night was Kevin Durant had way had more open shots than Steph Curry did, and he they were down, I think, seven or eight in the second quarter, and Kevin Durant hits two wide open threes on back to back possessions. Right. I remember that. That is inexcusable. You know, and Draymond yeah. Green seems to not be able to guard him. And one thing that they didn't do was they didn't give the ball to Kevin Durant more in the third quarter when you're down eight going into halftime. Okay, who's our hot guy? Who's the third or fourth best player in the NBA? He's on our team. Oh, we should give him the ball. And the one thing I'm kind of perturbed about last night was that my, my stat line is screwed now with Russell Westbrook getting over 10 assists. They were 35-13 and 13 <laughs> in the regular season. They were 7-0 and 0 in the playoffs, and he had 12 assists last night, 8 in the first half. And they end up losing by 200. So I, I, it was. I think that was a, an enigma of a game. Russell Westbrook kept them in the game with his assist making. And you know when Steph Curry drops 15 points in, in a minute and a half, uh, there's not really much you can do about that. I'm not sure what they do defensively with him is the question. 
Do you make Clay beat you? You know, it, it, do you put Russell Westbrook on Steph Curry because you can muscle him up a little bit? I think he's been playing off him to a certain degree so far in the series. Do you muscle him up and just and then just just give up some of Russell Westbrook's uh, uh, physical stamina because he's running around with Steph Curry on the defensive side? Or you just do you just hope that Russell Westbrook can score more than Steph Curry does? Because neither of them can be stopped by the opposition. Right. Right. Well, you know, when Russell Westbrook makes up his mind to go to the uh, rack, and you ever see him run down the floor and it's no one no one needs to even run with him, really. I mean, they do. They try to think he's going to pass it, but they don't. And he runs all the way in there and lays it up. Well, what's he do? He goes to turn around and get, what do you say, 12 assists? Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, where's that coming from, Russell? You know, good for you. Be a playmaker. But also, don't just decide I'm going to take it to the rack this time because I'm upset or I'm mad or, you know, something. Just do it every time. And it seems to me like you have to light that fire under him before before he'll decide, I'm going to take over, I'm going to do this now, it's going to be me. But he's always got to remember, his best player on his team is KD. So you got to keep KD rolling with the flow, always. And, and he's just so much taller than the next guy, and KD can get a shot off. Most people can't, being 6'11", he can just rise up that long, long arms, and he releases so high. So, you know, but Russell has to also continue to do his assists, no question. But he takes more than just getting him mad to take it to the rack hard or decide now it's time and always include KD. Yeah, 888-346-9144, Rebound Radio, Matt Fish, Alex Clancy in studio. Matt told his idea of what the Wrinkle Golden State should implement in Game 3. I'm going to tell you what my idea is for Oklahoma City. We'll talk 2016 NBA Draft Lottery, and we will continue with the Conference Finals talk of the NBA playoffs on the other side of the break. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundradio.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio, Rebound Radio, 888-346-9144. Call us if you have any input on the topic in which we are speaking. Uh, check out voiceamerica.tv. That is good over there. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content. The yep. Rebound channel, uh, a lot of great interviews with, with Matty Fish and, and former NBA players. Uh, it, it's some good stuff. So go if, if you don't want to listen and you want to watch, go over there because uh, you will not be doing yourself a disservice. We were talking Golden State and Oklahoma City. I will touch on what Oklahoma City needs to do in an effort to win Game 3 at home on Sunday. We will talk NBA Draft Lottery a little later on in this segment. And a couple new coaches with new organizations that yep. we will talk about in the third segment. What does Oklahoma City have to do to win Game 3? Tell me. I'm they trying have, to figure it out. If And I touched on this earlier. If Billy Donovan wants to start that big lineup or play intermittently throughout the game, you need to feed the big boys early. That's the number one thing that Billy Donovan and the Oklahoma City Thunder need to do early, whether that be through Russell Westbrook's penetration or uh, you know pick and roll with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook to spread the paint open and give a little feed to Stephen Adams and Serge Ibaka, who are nice finishers around the basket, and Enos Kanter, too. He's kind of an afterthought because he's not starting. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Adams had a little back injury that, he, that sat him a couple times. He went back to the locker room last night once, so we'll have to keep an eye on that, keep our pulse on that. But Serge Ibaka needs to get back down to be able to play down low when he has been a perimeter shooter yeah, he's for the last shooting. two years. And it's not, it's not necessarily his fault. It's the Kevin Love thing in, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Durant, and, uh, Durant and Westbrook need the paint to execute you know, 50 to 60% of their game, and you can't clog it up with a big guy down low. But you need to get Steven Adams and Serge Ibaka the ball early and often. Force Golden State to change their game plan and not vice versa. If well, you don't do that... If you try to play the perimeter game with Oklahoma, with Golden State as Oklahoma City, you will lose 90 times out of 100, and we saw that last night. Adams is a big guy. He's no doubt one of the biggest guys out there on that court, and he's very talented. He puts his back to the basket and starts backing himself down. They're a different team. They are. They're simply a different team. But like you said, they don't do it very often. Uh, when they do do it, I believe they've had success. They don't go back to it. It's not what they think. They just think that it has to be Russell, Rep, you know, West, Russell West, West, Westbrook. It has to be those guys. It has to be him and KD. It has to be. Does it? Does it always? I mean, you know, Ibaka, I don't think he's a back-to-the-basket type player anyway. Like you say, he's been bombing threes, and he's a big guy, true. But Adams, I think that he is a good finisher, but there ought to be some more post-up for him just to change the look, and plus... The other team, you know, Golden State is not that big. You know, they're gonna they're gonna have to double team. They have to figure that out after a while if he scores a few times. But they never they never do go back to that cow. Yeah, and and they need to because Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili get fouls quicker than most. So if you want to pound the ball down low, it'll open everything up. It'll open up Kevin Durant from the outside. It'll open up Russell Westbrook to slash because both of those guys are good passers. They're average passers. They're not Pau Gasol passing ability. They're not Marc Gasol passing ability. But they, they can pass the rock when they need to. Now, if that is implemented and they can get Andrew Bogut and Festus Azili into foul trouble, stay big. Make them adjust. Make Golden State adjust. Because normally they're hitting threes when they're in the lead. They're always in the lead, it seems like. You know, if you're down 12 or 14 points and those threes aren't falling, what are they going to do? Go down 17, 18, 20 points. It happens that fast. Steph Curry can't can't drive the lane as effectively as Russell Westbrook can. Klay Thompson is fine. He's got a great mid-range game that Steph Curry doesn't really have. Uh, Draymond Green can't shoot the ball when they need him to. 
Harrison Barnes goes the way the rest of the team goes, and that's it. That's your scoring. That's the focal point of your scoring offense if you're Golden State. So if you pound the ball down low with Steven Adams, Enos Cantor, and Serge Ibaka, and I do think that Enos Cantor and Steven Adams should be should both be starting and have Serge Ibaka coming off the bench, but that's just me. I'm not a professional head coach. You can win this series. You have to play big all the time, as much as you possibly can, because even if they go small, you have a huge you have a huge upside on the offensive side of the ball and down low on the defensive side. So I don't know why Billy Donovan gets scared and changes it when it could be your ticket to getting to the finals. You know, this evolution that's been happening in the game, this smaller, smaller guard, this this three-point bomb fest, this this pass, pass, kick, kick, pass, it, it, it's got coaches thinking. You know, Scott, them, it's like they're second-guessing. Maybe I shouldn't go into Adams. Well, you know what? Buck the trend. Do something on your own. Try to figure something out. Just don't go with the flow. When the flow puts you down 20, then 30. It wasn't even a game yesterday. Right. And I tell you, I was rolling my eyes. I was like, we're going to keep playing it this way? Well, it's going to keep going this way. Right. No, I agree. And and if you have the lineup where Draymond Green plays center with Steph, Clay, uh, Harrison Barnes, Draymond, and sometimes it's Iguodala, sometimes it's Barbosa if you want to go really small, Draymond Green six eight, mm-hmm. okay. Harrison Barnes I think is taller, but he's not he's mm-hmm. not a center. So you have Draymond Green who plays center at six eight. Stephen Adams seven feet. Uh, Enos Kanter seven feet. Mm-hmm. Serge Ibaka six ten who plays seven feet. That's a four three or four inch difference down low. It seems like a no brainer if you stick to it, and they just haven't. So we'll see what happens. Let's move on. Cleveland and Toronto tonight game two mm-hmm. in Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland. Yep. Uh, I think. Cleveland showed that they are still the best team in the East, obviously, uh, in game one. Uh, what's his name? LeBron James, 11 for 13, <laughs> 24 points in 28 minutes. Kyrie at 27. Yeah. Kevin Love chipped in 14. Mm-hmm. The only three in, in double digits, which has been an issue, but it really isn't an issue. You need to get one guy that can get hot. Then they have shooters around them. Uh, J.R. Smith and Mon Shumpert. One guy will go nuts every other game, which is really what you need as a compliment. Uh, Toronto was just outmatched with Jonas uh, Valanciunas out. He's out for game two officially. No, they don't have a low post presence. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and mm. Cleveland has big guys. So it, it seems like that this could be another sweep. And if this game isn't within 15 points, <laughs> is it worth watching the rest uh, of the series? Yes. It's fun to watch the best player in the NBA right now go out there and beat people up and use his size to take people to the rack and set hard picks and do what it is that he does. Um, I thought that slam dunk the other day where he celebrated the entire length of the court up and back was just a little bit too embellished. It was just a little bit too much of a... Golden State does that all the time. Why is it okay if Golden State does it but nobody else can? Um, How do you figure Golden State does it all the time? Steph Curry Curry shoots a three and turns his back to it. I got a theory on this. Okay, turns his back to Draymond Green is getting in everybody's face possible. <laughs> yeah. He had to back down yesterday because he had four technicals already. If I you get seven, theory. you get suspended a game. What's your theory, man? I think, I think it's more acceptable because every time that Steph Curry does something that he feels is worth uh, a little extra... Um, Juice? Uh, yeah. That he, 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 he kisses his finger, however he does, and he makes a cross on his chest and he points to the sky and it's all about the good Lord himself who has put me on this earth to shoot this long bomb three. And so it's okay. But then you got somebody, that, according to kind of the, 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 the society, if you will, then you turn to LeBron, and he's just jumping up on the scores table and pounding his chest and talking about me, 
It's all about me. And when you've got Steph going, the good Lord himself is the reason why, it's a little more acceptable. So that's kind of why I think that they get away with it more than when I see LeBron going, me, 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 me. And that's, that's a very nice theory. Um, I'm going to go even one step further. Okay. And I hope this, air, I hope this mic isn't on because I might sound crazy right here. But I think it's because of looks only. <laughs> Magic Johnson, yeah. good-looking guy. Sure. Michael Jordan, good-looking right. guy. Steph Curry is a baby-faced killer, mm-hmm. good-looking guy. Okay? So you have guys, Tim Duncan, not a good-looking guy. Okay? If Tim Duncan looked like Steph Curry... He would be one of the most famous people <laughs> on the planet. True story. And this is not a slight at anybody. This is not, these are facts taken by society. I don't care what people look like and what they don't. It's in the stat book. That's what I care about. Okay? But that's my theory, that if Steph Curry was not an attractive male, according to the masses, like the baby face and everything, it'd be a different story, I think. That's me. That's outside the box. That's crazy talk to a certain degree, but I think there's some well, merit to it. And if there's 1% of merit to it, <laughs> I, damn it, I will say it on air. <laughs> well, Grandpa James came in looking like an old man when he was a rookie. So uh, yeah, I know what you mean. You know, He, he certainly uh, was way ahead of his time when it came to age. He and was, he's tiny. Steph Curry's tiny also. So yeah. you have the little brother mentality of, oh, he's whooping up on everybody, but he's smaller than everybody else, so we just kind of give him a pass. Yeah, and when he just overpowers and dunks like LeBron does, and he's so darn big and so strong and wide, and according to you, not as handsome as others, that might you know might be a reason. I'm saying why to the massive social media, I'm taking stuff from other people okay. and synthesizing it, <laughs> and using you and using a platform to uh, to make it a, a focal point when in fact it's probably crazy. I, I don't know. You might have something there. That's fine. So you might I not. <laughs> I digress. So Cleveland. Uh, this shouldn't be an issue now. What San Antonio did to Oklahoma City in game one of their series, beat them by 30, and then Oklahoma City ends up winning the series. That's the caveat to this whole playoffs. So until Cleveland wins handily again tonight, there's still the what if. They're just outmatched without their big guy down low. Albeit he, he's not you know, a, a, a driving force for Toronto with Jonas Valanciunas. No. And all you do is you stop Kyle Lowry and you stop DeMar DeRozan and, 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 you, and you finish the series off. Boy, they look, they look like they, they, they just really struggle. They look tired. They look ti- they're tired, they man. They, they've Maybe carried everybody. It. You think they're tired? They've, they've they played just... – they played uh, who did they play in the first round? I can't remember. It wasn't playoff uh, style of play. That was Heat, the, the Miami no, Heat, No, that was right? last series. Right. And they, they played, took them out. They played seven games. Right. They played a Cleveland, lot of games. Cleveland has played one more game – well, before the start of this series, they've played one more game this whole playoffs than Toronto did just the last series. That's okay, right. Okay, so it's and and Kyle Lowry, it's Seven harder to, it's harder to be a guard and have to carry your team because Demar Derozan six seven, you know he's long, he's young. Kyle Lowry's not as young as everybody thinks he is, and he's riddled with injuries over his career. He's played a lot, he's had a lot less injuries uh, over the last couple years. But that takes a toll on you, and you play all these minutes, yeah. and you have to score from the outside. And Kyle Lowry is now James Harden Jr. with going up and trying to get fouled every time he goes in the key. So that takes added stress. That puts added stress on you. They, they're just outmatched. And it's, it's not fair, but that's just how it is. And this is why LeBron stayed in the East. Well, you know what? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they 
go play the next game because this last game was just – they couldn't get anything done. I was rolling my eyes on that one too. Come on, guys. Like, even act like you want to be there. It's almost like this is playoff basketball and I'm not watching playoff basketball. There's no sense of urgency. You guys look like you're just out there going through the motions. There's not a time in the playoffs that you can go through the motions. Not not one second, you know, not, not one play. So to me, I was like, you know, what are we going to do? Just chalk it up and go on to the next game, make sure we all get a good night's rest? No, man. You know, it's time to dig in and really, look, you know, come back, do something, change what you're doing. But it, it just continued to just go along like it was going, and it finished out like it should have finished out. And I, I tell you, there ought to be more changes. There ought to be more timeouts. There ought to be more technicals. There's there so be many timeouts. Well, okay. Let's call a timeout, <laughs> though, and discuss how we're going to make a wrinkle, make a change, do it something different, not just, hey, guys, you know what? Uh, let's get it within 10, you know, with five minutes to go in the game. How are you going to do that? You know, and it's just like show a sense of urgency, and it wasn't there. I yeah. didn't see it. I just didn't see it. Now, there's a huge difference, an astronomical difference between Cleveland and Toronto this year. Yes, they were the number one and number two seeds. Toronto had to scrape to get to the number two seed. Mm-hmm. Every game in this regular season was important to them. Okay, Cleveland, when they fired David Blatt, were 31 and 11. Okay, they were already there. Mm-hmm. You know, and LeBron, all of these, uh, all of this, just just uh, raw emotion after the big dunk where he went baseline, came back and threw it down and everybody was going nuts. Yeah. He's been holding this in all year because he hasn't exerted the amount of energy that he normally does in a season because look what happened last year. Okay, You have to play. It's not careful, but you have to play reserved when you can, and they could because the Eastern Conference is garbage. So with LeBron not really playing, that's why he didn't win MVP this year because he didn't go... B to the W all year. You know, he didn't because he didn't have to. He has guys he can pass the ball off to, and he didn't need, he can get points down low where Steph Curry and Klay Thompson don't. You know, and they set a lot of fourth quarters, which kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. But the emotional strain that it took to go 73 and 9 is something that's overlooked a lot just because they did it. LeBron, it doesn't matter what the regular season record is to LeBron. It doesn't. And all of these things that he's doing now, he's so efficient and he's so lean now. Not a carb since the playoffs started. He's been in the weight room harder than he was all year because now is winning time. And he knows that now. He made it to the finals the last, what, six years? Yeah. Nobody's yeah, ever done that. Yeah, yeah they're two and four in the last two and four in the last six years. It's mm. been all him all the time, and he knows now. Even with the core that he has, he needs to reserve his energy because he's not young anymore. He's thirty, <laughs> so now's the time for him to win. And this is where all the energy is coming out. It's coming out of his pores because this is what he's been waiting for so you're all year. He has to. He's screaming and demonstrating this ability to put extra sauce on his. Do you remember when Steph came back after two weeks and he hit that shot in yeah. overtime? He's yeah. like, I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. Yeah. This is LeBron's okay. version of that. Mm-hmm. Every time he scre- good. nobody's ever made six finals in a row. And Jordan didn't because he sat out a year. Right. Okay. Nobody's made six consecutive finals. Screw the record of what it was. The first one he made, he, oh no, it, it's been five. It's been five, not six. Because he made one in 07 with Cleveland when they got lambasted by San Antonio. Okay, that's one. Take that out. He was a baby. Okay, he was he was a baby. He didn't have a good team. They had a great record in the regular season, but he but they they great were they played guy. a better team. They played a better team, and Dallas was the one where he kind of started pouting when they won the first two and lost four straight. Okay, and then now it's winning time, and he knows it. Flash forward this many years, he's a professional now. He knows what it takes to win, 
and he's going to punish everybody in his path. I think he puts it on himself, too. He understands I agree. This, this is it. I have to. I have to put the weight of all this on me. It's on me. And it, uh, it ought to be. Yeah. It, it, it now he's got be. help. Yeah, he's, he's got, got healthy Irving, help. Irving, yeah, he's I'm telling you, he's playing great. He's love. a beast. He's healthy. Yeah, yeah. And he's a child. Yeah. He is young. He came in the league when he was 18 after playing eight games in college. So he pretty much redshirted his college year, came to the NBA. He had some issues uh, injury-wise like Steph did. But now it's now it's time, and now they're scary. Tristan Thompson is now earning his $80 million contract that he got because uh-huh. he plays defense. He plays dirty <laughs> down low. Not dirty. He plays hard down low. You know, they, they're missing Anderson Verjao, believe it or not. But it's kind of an oversight now because they've blown out everybody. Right. So uh, we've, you know what, I'm it's just scary. excited for the finals, man. Well, you know, it's it's going to be right around the corner. It's not far away, so we're, we're going to see. But the, these this uh, Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals, they're not over yet. You know, we could all chalk it up and all look down the road. But at the same time, there's a lot of work to be done in the meantime. I do think the Cavs will come out and, you know, maybe sweep again. But, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to at least see. Uh, I know this other game is going to be exciting, this Oklahoma City uh, Golden State Warriors. It's just been a lot more fun than you said, like that Yarner first round. So uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know, my radar's up on basketball. It's it's just quick. It's evolving. It's it's exciting. We're in playoffs. This is what basketball is all about. And here come the finals of the you know the finals of the finals are right around the corner. So it's exciting. From the best to the worst, on the other side of the break on here on Rebound Radio. We're going to talk about the worst teams in the NBA that got the pick that they were slated to get. Everybody did. Phoenix Suns are getting two picks in the first 13, so we'll talk a little Phoenix Suns because we are, after all, in Phoenix, Arizona. We'll talk about what Philly, the Lakers, and Boston should do with their top three picks, respectively. And we're going to talk about Orlando Magic basketball and New York Knicks basketball, which will be interesting in the third segment, Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio, Rebound Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market You're listening to Rebound Radio with Matt Fish. Call into the show today at 
1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. You can also drop an email to mattfish at reboundradio.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Rebound Radio, final segment. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish in studio. 888-346-9144. We've covered the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals. For those of you that do not remember or did not hear the segment in which Matt and I spoke of our finals predictions, I had Cleveland 4-2 over Golden State. And Matt Fish, after much deliberation on and off air, (laughs) he has... Who do you have? Cleveland over who? What? Well, Golden State. Cleveland over Golden State? Yeah. Oh, is he, yeah, so that's right. He piggybacked. I forgot. <laughs> no, what? You should have seen the the Venn diagram that he put up on the wall with the <laughs> amount of teams. He's like, okay, how many teams can I pick? How many can I have? But I was all, I got to say, I was all over Toronto early on, and I'll admit it, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to well, pull Well, Valanciunas got hurt, so yeah. that's not your fault. Yeah. Uh, I have... I, I threw you for a twist, though. I came in you know, before the playoffs. It was the very first round of the playoffs. I'm like, who you got? And I'm like, Toronto. <laughs> you're like, you're <laughs> wow, you didn't have to say it. I left it very gray. I left a very gray area. If you want to hear more great things from Matt Fish, follow him at Rebound Talk on Twitter. Follow me at Clancy's Corner. Uh, check out voiceamerica.tv if you want to see Matt Fish interview a former NBA athletes and executives. A lot of great stuff on there. Let's talk NBA Draft Lottery. Uh... Well, it went to plan like everybody thought it was going to. Philadelphia number one, Lakers two, Boston three, Phoenix four, and down the list. If you are wondering why Boston had such a high draft pick because they made the playoffs, this is part of the deal that sent Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce to New Jersey. And uh, they're saying, Danny Edge is saying, thank you very much, Mr. Prokhorov. Uh, thank you for giving away your future to us mm. for two old veterans. <laughs> Uh, Phoenix got the 13th pick from Washington as part of the Markeith Morris trade. Uh. So let's talk Phoenix Suns. We have about 16 minutes left. Let's take about five minutes to talk about the Phoenix Suns because at this point, that's still worth. They have the 4th and 13th pick. They need help now. They have Devin Booker, who uh, just got first-team all-rookie, which is great. He's a child from Kentucky. He had great strides in the second half of the playoffs. He, uh, he dropped 30 several times this year, so he's a pure yeah. scorer that Phoenix needed. You have issues in the backcourt paying two guys a lot of money, Brandon Knight and uh, Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe was out for the year last year. Uh, he's had one microfracture surgery, and they knew that when they made the trade with uh, Phoenix, or uh, with uh, the Clippers, I should mm-hmm. say. My apologies. Clippers. So there are many things that Phoenix can do. What do I think Phoenix should do? I think they should trade the fourth and the 13th pick with Brandon Knight to Philadelphia for the number one overall pick and Nerland's Noel. Mm. Now, the reason why I say this is because they need a big guy down low that's long. They need a big guy down low that can run the court. They need a, a big guy down low that is young. And Nerland's Noel is all three of those things. He sat out his first year, his rookie year, and he's getting progressively better and better. We don't hear about it because Phoenix or, uh, Philadelphia sucks and they're in Philadelphia, and they are null and void at this juncture of the Colangelo era. Who's your point guard? Who's, who's going to Well, the buck? huge mistake they made was keeping Eric Bledsoe and not keeping Goran Dragic. Yeah, well, yeah. But, so for right now, it would be Eric Bledsoe and Devin Booker in okay. the backcourt. Yep. You take Ben Simmons with the number one overall pick for star-studdedness uh, over you know potential future. You need to fill those stands, and Ben Simmons will do it. Uh, non you know, diehard basketball fans will not even know who Brandon Ingram is, although they should. This six nine guard from Duke who can shoot the lights out. He averaged seventeen. He's long. He's athletic. 
and he's a year younger than Brandon Ingram, or uh, than uh, Ben Simmons. And then you put Nerlens Noel down low with Alex Len or Tyson Chandler, and you have a team. You don't have 17 shooting guards, point guards, and small forwards, and a 35-year-old Tyson Chandler and Alex Len, who is a top seven pick in the draft, who hasn't amounted to much yet. Is this the last? Is, is this the last year for Tyson next year for Chandler? Well, they gave him a four-year, forty, oh. fifty-two million-dollar deal. I wasn't sure how his, his contact was. So at out. some point, they will salary dump that and uh, with a trade or something. But it was a, uh, it was. Uh, they thought that they were going to get some guidance from him, you know, some leadership in the locker room, Defense. which I'm sure they do. He he's been injured, riddled with injury. He yeah. is not the Tyson Chandler of the Dallas years where he won a championship. And it's it, it's a sticky situation in Phoenix because everybody's pointing to Rob, Robert Sarver uh, as the issue, which I'm sure he is. But he's made I think I think he's made six hundred million dollars uh, as the owner of the Phoenix Suns. He bought it for four hundred one, and it's over. It's worth exactly a billion dollars right now. The Phoenix Suns organization is. So we'll see what happens. What do you think? Let's see. As for the Lakers, let's take. I'm going to ask you this question because I don't want to answer because I've had to answer it way too many times. I want to get your take on this. What do you think the Lakers should do with the number two overall pick? Mm. You know, and, and and I'm kind of behind the curve on on who's available. You know, at that spot, um, the number two spot, you should be able to certainly insert somebody uh, that can score. Uh, in my opinion, because you're losing so much scoring. Let me let me change the question. Do you think the Lakers should trade the number two overall pick with somebody they have now for a veteran star? Or do you think they should continue to be as young as they are? No, I, I think they need to get someone else in there. Uh, I don't know who that is. I'm not sure. It kind of depends on how even just this year's playoffs uh, shake out. Mm-hmm. Could be KD. Yeah. You know, I, I think he'd be somebody that could slide in there in L.A. and just be another superstar. Uh, he'll be a superstar no matter where he ends up. But uh, L.A., to me, just seems like it, it, it's a spot for him. Uh, it's a spot for the L.A. would open their arms, I know, for somebody like KD. And, and I'm just thinking strictly him right now just because I'm trying to, you know, pick who's out there and who's available and who's a superstar, and he's certainly one of them. But they're, you know, hey, you know, give up the second you know, spot. That's a big, you know, to give away. But I tell you, KD is worth it. Yeah. And uh, it, and I've said Russell Westbrook on this show before. You trade, you know, Jordan Clarkson, who's their shooting guard or you know point guard fusion, wh- whatever you want to call it nowadays, and the number two overall pick for Russell Westbrook because if Kevin Durant is gone, Russell Westbrook's not going to want to stay there. Now, having said that, Kevin Durant, if they say they make go to seven games against Golden State or they make it to the finals, yeah. Kevin Durant can sign a one year deal with Oklahoma City for a lot of money. And especially with the new TV deal coming in, and stay there with Russell Westbrook. I think the Lakers need to trade the pick. Uh, I don't think it's really a question. You don't need to get younger as a Laker with the Lakers. Okay. Every five or seven years, yeah. they recycle. Okay, Demarcus Cousins is is too much of a problem, which is unfortunate. Jimmy Butler wants to play there, but Jimmy, but they already he's first of all making a lot of money, and they already have guards and small forwards, undersized people everywhere. They need a big guy, and at this point, I would take Dwight Howard back. And I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but remember, we talked about that thing on NBA yeah. on TNT. We talked about it with two of the big Houston guys last week yeah. about Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard is like, yeah, I'm pissed. Yeah. I'm pissed that people aren't giving me a fair shake. Yeah, when we when we talked with Major Jones and Robert Reed last year, talked about two people inundated there in Houston and know what's going on. They really gave us their take. And what they said really was eye-opening to me. It wasn't surprising, but it was like, okay, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Someone just kind of needs to get behind that guy and show them that they care about him. You know, it seems like a lot of people don't care about him, you know, and it, it 
it's not like he's trying to change what type of player he is or his abilities because they're fantastic. And they all call him a cancer, and I have too on this show. I've called him a cancer. But there's something still there. He may need to reinvent his game like they mentioned last week. I know Major and, and, and Robert both were saying that he, he's a great player. He just kind of needs someone to, if he is running the floor, give him the ball. You know, like in, include him in the game. Don't just uh, use him as an afterthought. Yeah, and that's... That's a very valid point, and that leads exactly to what I was going to say, so I'm glad that we agree on this. The one type of franchise that is inundated with something that will cater to him the best is youth because they will give him the ball. He's Dwight Howard. Okay, he's not, It's not James Harden and all these older guys who have played who have seen Dwight Howard you know, shuffle from team to team. Orlando is what they've talked about with him going back home to Orlando, even though he's not didn't grow up there. Going to Orlando, Atlanta was always a talk because I believe he grew up in Atlanta, and there's still talks of Chris Paul and him both going back to Atlanta because they played when they were younger. I think Orlando, I think Boston, I think Los Angeles, oh. and the Lakers with Julius Randle and the kids. The kids, I will call them kids. They're all under 25. Yeah. And with Kobe gone, he can get the money he needs. You can bring in another swing guy that's a veteran, and he will be the focal point of the down-low offense, which he wasn't. There was no low-post offense in Houston this year. And I never thought I'd say this, but it would be a success-endearing story for Dwight Howard to go back to the Lakers where it was such a... It was such a problem the first time because it was Kobe and it was all the politics and everything. He had a horrible back issue that he didn't talk about. Now he's healthy. He's obviously rejuvenated. He didn't even play. He barely played it all this year, even though the minutes were logged. He wasn't touching the ball. No. So I think it'd be, I know that's that's almost as crazy as my Steph Curry babyface comment earlier, but I, I think I would happily, as a Laker fan, take him back. And I never thought that before that NBA on TNT just, just uh, the interview, the little interview within an interview with Charles Barkley, when he called him out, it showed the person that we've all wanted him to be and not just this... This robot that's yeah. unhappy wherever he is. You know, I got a, I got a beef. I got to get out. I for years and years I've been saying, if if you go and buy a dollar lottery ticket, you want to see the balls come up, right? You you want yes. you want to see that you lost or that you won, but you want to physically see it happen. Yes, is, is that correct? Correct. Okay, now let's talk about the NBA lottery. Um, When's the last time you've seen the balls come up for the NBA lottery? I mean, you get to actually see, hey, the number one pick is this team, the number two pick. When's the last time you've seen that? It's been over a decade. Well, why? Where'd that go? And who decided to do this behind closed doors? It's a vacuum, so nothing can get tarnished, I guess. And then you have, tell me a little bit what Dikembe did. Dikembe Matumbo, uh, who played with the Sixers for a few years, Mm he tweeted out, congratulations, Philadelphia 76ers, on the first overall pick an hour before the uh, before it was made known to the people in the know what the lottery order was. Because people are told before it's shown on TV who the, what the lottery order is. There's sworn to secrecy, yeah. you know, non-disclosure agreements, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Leave your cell phones, leave everything out. They can be new before that. And I, it, he also said, you know, he was projecting... I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not saying exactly what he said, yeah. but he's he's projecting that they would get because they had the best percentage to do so. I, I agree with you. I rest my case. Yeah, then. I, so I agree with going you. on. I, I want to see you. the balls come up. I have to. And the uh, the whole thing about the initial one with David Stern, how it was quote unquote potentially fixed by the conspirators yeah, yeah. because the the balls had a little bit more weight to them, so it, they would rise. I, here's the thing. 
I think that they should do away with the lottery completely. Now, what should happen after that, I don't know. But I know that the foundation of it, every team that doesn't make the playoffs, which is under 50% of the league, Mm -hmm. 14 teams don't make the playoffs, 16 do, they need to do something. Okay. Well, what? And I mean. well, well, and we have three minutes, so we so we gotta we can we can bleed this into next week because I do okay. want to continue to talk about this, and we'll ask Casey Shaw, who will be our guest next week. He'd be a good one. Uh, who's great? Yeah. Uh, and he played a lot of ball overseas, so yeah. I really want to get his take on the influence of overseas basketball in you know infiltrate into the NBA. You take the fourteen teams. How do you get teams to not tank? Sneaky tank, yeah. full-fledged tank sure. like Philadelphia is. They're red-shirting everybody. Joel Embiid <laughs> still hasn't put a jersey on. I don't know how healthy he is or they you know, wanted Doesn't to get matter. Ben Simmons or whatever. Yeah. Do you give all of the teams an even percentage? No, you can't. Because yeah. all of these teams that are awful, that are in small markets, will become obsolete. Right. If the Milwaukee Bucks don't get in the lottery then they're not going to be a team anymore. No, there won't be a team in there Milwaukee. So you're going to get down to 22 teams in the NBA, <laughs> which loses yeah. so much right. money and so right. much so much potential. So that's for, out. For, yeah, so that's out. <laughs> so they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place here because you have, to give, you have to give the bad teams the best chance to get good players so they can become good. Okay. So they can become an actual NBA team and not a college team wearing an NBA jersey. They need to do something and damn it, I'm not paid enough to figure it out. The NBA has to figure it out. <laughs> just do the lottery in front of us. I just want to see it. So that's so yeah. so th- that would make you happy. It would even if it's all the same results and everything. Yeah. So, but you so do you have to watch? Is there a half an hour pregame show where yes. they take where they take the sealed balls mm-hmm. and put it into yes. the thing? Everybody can watch everything. Yes. Now that's so it's like the yes. pre-draft. It's like the red carpet event mm-hmm. to the lottery. Now we're talking. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's what I want to see. And I, I, I sound like I'm being glib here. I'm actually being honest. Like yes. that's okay. That's it. I want to see. I it. can get behind that. If I physically see it, I see it happening, and there's still sleight of hand and trickery going on. More well, power I, to yeah, you. I went in there. Yeah, <laughs> I went in yeah. Well, it's interesting, <laughs> and we have a minute left. Uh, at Rebound Magazine or at Rebound Talk. Yep. Email Matt Fish at mattfish at reboundmagazine.com. Yep. Yep. Check out the NBRPA, the Legends of Basketball Facebook page, which I'm a fan of. There's so many things going on every day with those two organizations that are linked together. Rebound Magazine is a magazine, not an organization, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They're fused together. Matt is the Phoenix chapter president for the NBRPA. He's got a lot of great things to say. we got to get out of here. Next week we will have Casey Shaw, for, former NBA and uh, overseas player, played yep. for 12 years total, I believe, 10 or 12 years. We'll talk NBA lottery. We'll talk updated uh, conference uh, finals. We're going to have a lot to talk about yeah. next week. Alex Clancy, Matt Fish, we will see you guys next week. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Rebound Radio. Please join Matt Fish next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll profile another legend of basketball. Have a great week.